An afternoon recording to begin the week under the pattering of raindrops. Welcome to Hand of Pod. and gents to Hand of Pod 154. It's only been a couple of days since the 153rd episode went online, but we're back already because there is a midweek round of matches. We're recording on Monday to give people time to listen to the previous episode. I think I'm going to upload this on Tuesday morning, maybe. Um, I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined exclusively for this episode by English Town. Hello Sam, thanks for having me on, but I'm also a little bit annoyed because it seems you only want to call me when Racing lose. Bit of a spoiler alert, but... Yeah. Hand of Pop would be nothing if not uh, schadenfreude filled, Dan, as you know. Indeed. Um, we may as well begin with that Racing defeat because it was one of the first two matches of the weekend. It was also one of the, the two matches that I missed all of um, because I was out on Friday evening. The first game of all was Arsenal 1, Olimpo 0, of which I don't think there's very much to report, is there? No, it was a... Good win for Arsenal, I guess you could say. They didn't make the best of starts, I don't think, in the first couple of rounds. But, yeah, three points. And it shows that even after the Grandona era has, has ended, they can still get points. And a goal scored by the wonderfully named Brian Aleman. That's Brian, except it's B-R-A-H-I-A-N. Latinos should not be allowed Brian to anywhere near Anglo, Anglo first names. Uh, horrible things happen. But the second the second match of the evening was possibly, as you were saying to me before we started recording, the most peculiar game of the weekend in the Primera. Indeed, and it was a game as well that sort of set the tone for a lot of the weekend. We had, now, um, th- th- there's this kind of air of, of optimism around Racing this season. They started is, yeah. with two two wins out of two. Yeah. Um, one of them, okay, was a way to, to newly promote a Defensio Sticia, but the other was at home to the newly crowned champions of South America, who admittedly were visibly still drunk or hungover from those <laughs> celebrations. But still, a decent 2-0 win in front of a capacity crowd and record ticket um, uh, takings, as, as you mentioned on Twitter after mm-hmm. the game. Um, what went wrong in Victoria? Well, any, I think any Racing fan will just tell you, nah, this is Racing, this is what we do. We did well for the first couple of games and then it all collapses in spectacular, horrible car crash fashion. But I'm not too down with the result. It was, yeah, as you've hinted, it was a very strange game um, uh, for reasons that I'll tell you very shortly. And as Diego Coca, um, the coach, said after the, after the match, it, it was a slap in the face. But... Hopefully it's a slap in the face that you know it's coming the third round of the tournament, and hopefully it's coming. Hopefully it's coming time because you did kind of get the sense that um, Racing they didn't you know they didn't go easy in the game by any means, but there was kind of this this sense of overconfidence, the sense that you know after two games they they were on top, starting to believe the hype, and hopefully you know as I saw many comments after the game make an allusion to that. Um, Wonderful trend of chucking buckets of water over 
over each other. It was Racing's uh, bucket of water, I think. Yes. So indeed. hopefully, and we should say that you know, Tigrin to take nothing of them away from them. They played a fantastic game. We saw that they managed four goals from five shots. Um, three of those goals were um, were very well taken. Uh, Lucas Vilches uh, played like Messi for one game mm. when he probably won't play that like that again in his whole career. And more than anything, they just got up in Racing's face. I think we've seen from the first two games that Racing is a team that uh, like to close down their opponents. They like to hassle them on the ball. They like to play with a lot of the ball and you know make teams uncomfortable. And Tigre basically did that, but more. They did not give Racing a moment's peace with, yes. uh, with the ball and with the ball at feet. And that's how they won it. They they were more urgent. They were they were tougher. And they they weren't afraid to kick. And they scored at least two. Very good goals indeed, indeed, apart from just the number. Um, as Dan's hinted, Tigre scored four goals from five attempts on goal, um, and they ran out 4-0 winners. They, that was after they'd lost both of their first two matches. Um, so a, a thoroughly bizarre game, and it was one of three 4 nils um, this weekend. And one I of four defeats for the, uh, five grandes, we should say. Yes. Yeah. that one set the time. Uh, I, I think I saw afterwards on Twitter something like the third time in the professional era that there have been three 4 nils um, in the same round of matches in the Primera. Um, it did indeed, as Dan said, look, look for a short while as if uh, all of the grandes were going to lose on the same weekend, something that's only happened once before, and it was, as, I, as we were saying last night um, on, on Gmail, uh, it was one year ago this weekend um, for the first time ever. Um, it didn't quite end up that way, but... We saw some other eye-catching results. Uh, Rosario Central got a last-minute penalty to win away to Gimnasia y Grima La Plata, um, 2-1, with uh, Rafael Delgado, Delgado scoring the winner. That was after a moment of just complete and total idiocy from Fernando Monetti. Yes, I saw Gimnasia keeper, who we've all praised a lot because he's a very good goalkeeper, but he, there was no need for him to run for that ball at all. It was going well wide. Um, it was going out of play and about two yards from the goal line with the forward I can't remember which forward it was he took out not even close to the ball with the ball bouncing well ahead of him Monetti just flew out and completely took out the um, the, the the striker uh, and allowed Delgado to score the penalty um, there was quite a match in Rosario a six goal thriller which ended 3-3 between Newells and Belgrano de Córdoba um, two, go- two penalties for Newells one of which was given slightly contentiously um, with about four minutes to go. Maxi Rodriguez scored both of them. Their other goal came from Chris... No, it didn't. It came from Lorenzo Farabelli. That's a new name for me. I don't know about you. But. Uh, he's Farrelly. played a couple of games before, but he, right. he played towards the end of last season. Um, I'm not sure how old he is. Um, Belgrano scored from Emmanuel Pereira from Pe- Pierre Barrios. And then right at the very end, they got a goal, a fantastic volley. Uh, from Emmanuel Rigone. Rigoni. This is another example, as we saw so much of during the Toneo final, I think, of Newell's just not making early dominance mm. tell, because in the first half. Just throwing away points, basically. Yeah. Newell's were 1 0 up at half time. Uh, they should probably have been 2 or 3 up at half time. They, they were just so far dominant. Um, and they allowed Belgrano back into it, not aided by uh, Victor Lopez, uh, got a, an elbow. I think it was accidental, but it was an elbow to the face. You in the first half, um, which turned out to be a fractured nose after the game. And he actually played on, um, <coughs> had to be subbed off five minutes into the second half. And that's when the Newells 
defensive collapse began. In fact, it was about, I think they scored about two minutes after he'd been subbed off. Um, so he's going to be a big loss if he's missing for them in midweek. And yeah. to that extent, it's kind of, you think, well, you can understand the defence not looking quite as good. Mm. Kielmes, same thing happened uh, last weekend. When yeah, plus, up late on against take Chris Rodrigo Brandy got injured, came off, and got Chris scored two goals. But even so. Yeah, plus I guess with Newell's, they're still, you have to take into account that they're still, you know, adjusting to life after after Gringo Ainsi. So yes. that's going to take time, you know. Then if they lose their other, you know, they have a rock in defence because I know they've got, I don't know how they, you know, oh, they've got, well, they've got Corralan. That explains everything. Indeed, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't need to say anymore. Claudio, Claudio Corralan is possibly the worst defender I've ever seen. Says the racing supporter. Um, from first hand experience let's say we did discuss last week that, uh, that they were going to be without Ignacio Coco. Uh he was replaced as number 9 by Maxi Rodriguez who did an alright job as a kind of playing as a false 9 with Mauricio Tevez and Victor Figueroa um, either side of him so I think we can expect that I mean if nothing else at least it showed that Newells don't have any problems in attack no um, well two penalties even as we say they probably should have been further ahead um, at half time but that's something that we saw from them most for a fair bit of the last campaign. The final game on Saturday was one that I know you're itching to talk about, particularly having discussed a 4 <laughs> 0 defeat by Racing. Um, a week ahead of the Abechaneda Classico. <laughs> it's really looking like a promising fixture now, isn't it? It was pretty fitting, actually, because I know that a lot of Independiente fans were dying to get on Twitter uh, during Racing's misfortune and, you know, got, uh, take the piss out of the 4 0 scoreline. So. How much did Independiente lose by playing at home? You know, second game back in the top flight with their shiny new unfinished stadium. Ah, four 0 And it, unlike uh, the Racing game, that yeah, truly un- was a Racing. It was a, um, no, a thrashing, yeah, humiliation. Uh, we have the stats in front of us. They say that uh, Independiente actually managed seven attempts, but Vélez had twelve. Yeah, they got forward. Um, I'm not going to say they, they didn't get forward, but. And they got forward in a rather disorganised fashion. The thing is, the first half was quite even. It was even leaning towards Vélez. I know Vélez maybe slightly superior, but it was yeah. nil-nil at half-time, and you thought that's not particularly harsh on either side. This game could use a goal. And uh, Lucas Prato got the goal two minutes into lovely into goal the second well. half. Really lovely take. Nice Independiente take. looked slightly sort of taken aback at first, but they got back into the game. And then in the final 20 minutes, they let three goals in. <laughs> um, Prato again, Leonardo Rolón. Uh, who scored a goal direct from a corner an, an Olympic goal. goal an Olympic goal and uh, <laughs> Lucas Romero I always forget which Romero it is for Venice but it is Lucas isn't it yes yes it is yeah, Lucas the bench in the second half um to score with six minutes to go. Uh, that means that Vélez are top of the league after three games they are the only side with a perfect record mm-hmm. um even including the sides who've not yet played three games because San Lorenzo have lost and Olimpo have also lost. Um, so nobody can, can match Vélez on nine points from three matches. Um, talking about San Lorenzo losing, they, they lost 2-0 to Racing in the first match of the season and they've lost 2-0 to Banfield in their second match of the season at home. And with one of the goals of the weekend. In fact, it looked like being the goal of the weekend. I think, it was, I think it was the goal of the weekend. Oh, I don't think it was. I think uh, that we'll, we'll get on to the, the final mm. game of the weekend. There was uh, at least one. There were plenty of crackers, but um, I think I'd say for um, for context, you know, it came at a time where San Lorenzo were chucking everything um, to get the equaliser. Really going forward, Banfield were hanging on. 
and they came from um, a counter attack 1-0 in the last minute of the game yes it was yeah. and I don't know if he's on loan from River or he's left he, he was on loan he... from River last season yes I thought that it was reported that he was on loan from River this season um, and I saw on Twitter after the goal that they might rumours that they, they let his federative rights go to Banfield which would mean he's no longer on loan effectively given a free transfer right. I hope that's not true <laughs> uh, but yeah Juan Casares the young Ecuadorian yeah. picked up the ball about 35 yards from goal and just advanced 5 yards Beautiful. and smashed it off the crossbar um, just really we talking was... about that they're showing the best goals of the of the week on TC one of oh, which the, 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 one, the one that's being shown at the moment is one of Tigris against Racing look this this is pretty Sunday becomes messy yeah. What's that about? <laughs> that's, that's almost exactly the kind of goal Lionel Messi would score. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, Juan Casares, uh, if you're going to watch one bluter from the weekend, then make it that one. Um, that deserved victory as well for Banfield, I thought. The I, first I points the back game. in yeah. Primera. Yes, of course it was, yeah, because they, they lost. Yeah, it's a big win for them, big win for Almeida. That, you know, he's got a, a big challenge now because he's done brilliantly in in two campaigns in the, in the second division but now he's got to show himself as a as a Primera class coach let's say he's still got a um, uh, Deji there yeah although I think as we said when he was sacked from River that was a bit harsh we all thought no but um, I'm talking about perception but, public yeah, perception and that like he needs to That's he needs to be big um, and, and they deserve the win as well mm. twice as many shots as San Lorenzo um and just a general kind of attacking verve that the opponents didn't seem to have. Um, there was also some some talk on Twitter because San Lorenzo presented the trophy before the Libertadores uh, before the match, and uh, there were TV shots of basically a, an almost entirely empty main stand <laughs> behind them, which the opposing uh, the, the other members of the Big Five obviously enjoyed tremendously. Um, we had to skip Lanús Estudiantes because I wanted to hook in the fact that Banfield played with such attacking. Joie de vivre, um, <laughs> as, as do Defensa Justicia. The, the, the two promoted sides seem to be really going out in the Primera in a manner that we can all enjoy tremendously. Indeed. Uh, Defensa Justicia this week only drew 1 1 with Quilmes, um, but of course they beat uh, Banfield 3 2 mm-hmm. early in the, se- um, in the second round and in the very first round, of course, they lost to Racing, but uh, they did attacking atten- intent yeah. as well. Both goals came early on. Uh, 11th minute for Defensa Justicia Fernando Camacho and then Brian Sarmiento had to go off injured uh, shortly afterwards um, for Quilmes with a, a lovely finish mm-hmm. um, I'm enjoying watching Defensa Justicia so far and Banfield they, they're both yeah, they've been entertaining. and they don't pay too much attention to defending yep. um, which possibly do you think it's one reason that we're seeing more goals in this championship because it's been another high scoring weekend it definitely helps I mean uh, the vast majority of teams that are in the Primera now have got attacking coaches uh, they're looking for the win I think if you can point any out that you know are more conservative you could say Boca and uh, Bianchi funnily mm. enough uh, San Lorenzo uh, Bowser's never going to give you too many fireworks and that's probably it to be honest Estudiantes maybe you know, they're not conservative but they're solid you know they, they don't give many fireworks but then and the Estudiantes uh, sort of very transitional at the moment Indeed. Uh, they're, they're trying to find their feet yeah. still but all the other teams like uh, teams that more or less go for it I think you can say yeah and it's quite sort of you and I were just discussing last night about uh, the possibility that maybe Banfield and Defensa Justicia being two of the replacements for relegated sides who included Argentinos mm-hmm. and Colón particularly who weren't 
fantastic. I know that Colon had that kind of purple patch at the beginning of the Donnell final, but apart from that, they found it kind of difficult to score. Yeah. Um, and these are two sides who, who, as we say, just sort of go balls out and, yeah. and attack. Plus, we um, should mention that um, Banfield and Defensa Justicia, and Independiente, and for that matter as well, they've got a massive advantage because they know that they're not going to have to face a relegation battle already in June. Yes. They're safe in June, and then... Uh, or at least by the time that... December comes around, no, not even then. No. Until, well, they haven't. They, they, they've until not 2015, they've not confirmed there's no fine. relegation at the end of the season thing yet. Um, I can't see how they, it, it looks highly likely that they're going to uh, that they're going to do that. Well, because of the transition into the season long. Yeah. The, the next season is going to be August to May. Remember. Yes. So they were talking about. Uh, they're talking. Ah, it yes, looks it's... very much like there won't be any relegation at the end yeah. of what was going to be this season because they were going to have it in the middle of the year anyway yeah. Um, but uh, yeah it's not been completely voted yeah. through but it's certainly I think that seems to be taking the pressure off I'm not yeah, sure that it answers everything though no I, it's I not the answer I can't imagine Argentinos scoring averaging uh, two goals a game in the way that Defensa Justicia have done so far um, no but they're two very different teams you've got Defensa Justicia yes. and Manfred who are coming up you know, they're, on a, they're on a high, they've just got promotion in Defensa Justicia's case for the first time ever in their history. And Argentinos, who have come from what, four pretty awful years, mm. you know, of, you know, uh, hanging on by their, their fingertips. So I think, you know, there's a difference in mentalities. And I think it's hard to, um, to say that the, the absence of pressure doesn't, doesn't influence. That's I think true. it is important for me. There might be something to that. Maybe. We'll, we'll agree to disagree, I'm guessing. Or agree to more or less agree. One of the two. <laughs> uh, Lanús Estudiantes. 2-1 win for Lanús. Um, I think Estudiantes with... fans are really going to want Jerónimo Rulli mm. to come back very soon. Who I always write for some reason as Agustín and then have to go back and correct myself. I don't know why. I've got Agustín Rulli in my head. He's been replaced, in fairness to you, by an Agustín. Agustín Silva is the current Estudiantes goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, with Hilario Navarro just behind him in the pecking order um, but Lanús goals on the one hand Lanús got a win yes. another win which is important after the, the way they started the season of course with um, uh, was not great for morale with, with, with two Super Cup well kind of <laughs> one Super Cup and one sort of mm-hmm. Super Cup uh, the Saruga Bank Trophy um, defeats uh, that it wasn't great. They were seen as you know they, they lost a couple of finals as they look at it in in Argentina, even though it's really just a preseason friendly. But they were preseason friendlies that are glorified, and that Lanús want to win. Um, they didn't start it well. There was a lot of talk about whether that was going to affect their morale when they started the season, and they got a win uh, the previous weekend, I think, didn't they? Against no, they lost to Rafaela last weekend. Oh, they lost to Atlético, yes. First weekend they got a win against Quilmes, maybe. Did they play in the first? Oh, of course, they weren't going to play the first week. Yeah. It was the Wednesday, wasn't it? The uh, the match that was played after all the others against Belgrano. Belgrano. Um, so they've got two wins from two at home, at least. Um, a terrifying home record. So I think they've gone, I think it's now eight wins and two draws from the last ten home games domestically. Um, yes. But both of the goals on Sunday, it was Sunday, wasn't it, came fortuitously shall we say all three of them to be honest all three were, were I'm talking specifically about <laughs> goalkeeper Neres yeah um, um, Agustin Ruli Silva um, is yeah he didn't have a, a game to remember unfortunately uh, Victor Ashala with a 
free kick in from out wide, which nobody touched and which crept through to put Lanús 1-0 up. But this Joaquín Correa with a very long ranger into the bottom corner. Yeah. And then a few minutes after that, uh, Leonardo Jara scored with a bit of a fluke as well from uh, for Lanús. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't a game that tells us very much about either team so far, really, I don't think. No, not too much. I think Estudiantes is still going to be competitive and Lanús are going to be there or thereabouts. Both teams are, are capable of a bit more than this than they showed on Sunday. We didn't see the best, especially defensively. Yeah, they're two very solid outfits, but that wasn't really seen uh, yesterday. Indeed, and the final two games, and we've not deliberately left them till last, as we sometimes do. We they just they were the last two games because, uh, of course, there are no games on Monday, which is why we're recording today. Um, were well, they were both away wins. They were both away wins without the home side scoring a goal. Uh, and this allowed um, River Plate fans to be the uh, celebratory, the, the big winners, I think it's fair to say, of the weekend. Oh, no question. Because after all of the other big four had lost, uh, River Plate got an away victory. But first of all, because it happened first, we shall deal with Boca Juniors. Versus Atletico de Rafaela. It was Atletico de Rafaela's second ever win over Boca, and it was the first in La Bombonera. Um, and it was crushing. Pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really pathetic from Boca. Particularly because, even though we've spent much of the year, much of the last year and a half, two years, slagging Boca off, they've actually got a pretty good home record. Mm. They had, I think, the second best home record, or the third best home record, uh, during the Tornel Final. Um, uh, River, of course, had, had the best with, with nine wins and one defeat. Um but Boca have a good home record as well. They were on a fairly decent unbeaten run until losing to Newell's on the opening weekend of this season. And Atletico, uh, a team in transition. They lost a few important players over the winter. They're good, but they've tended to be good in their own stadium and not so hot away. They had a, quite a poor away record for the, for the last uh, season. And they smashed them. Yeah, completely um, one-sided. Boca... Um, they were ineffective up front and ragged at the back. Yeah, Mauricio Gomez, Federico Gonzalez and Guillermo Fernandez were the goal scorers in a 3-0 win. Uh, Paul Fernandez. Federico, um, sorry, yeah. Uh, an ex Boca player. Yes, Paul Fernandez, not Guillermo. It's his, his, his real name and Paul is his, yeah. Um, and it could have been more, I think it's fair it, to say. Yeah, I think I was watching it in... In the Herald newsroom with a few Boca fans and they were absolutely uh, outraged, I guess the word is, because it was, it was awful. I wouldn't be surprised if that, will, if that finally prompts Bianchi to take a walk towards the door. The thing is that after all of these embarrassing results, Bianchi continues to say, I thought the team played quite well, we didn't deserve to lose. In the yeah, but losing 3-0 at home to, um, to Rafaela, like, there's just no way they clear that up. No, especially with River winning games, winning them well. Yes, um, doesn't make it easier. How much longer do we think that Bianchi can possibly hold on for? Because he's still there at the moment, as we record. I mean, they've got a midweek round, so presumably he's not going to go until at no, least I'm sure next Monday, right? Take, yeah. Um, Who have they got midweek? They have got midweek. They've got. Uh, let's have a look. On Tuesday at 9.30, they're away to a Estudiantes. So that's going to be a fantastic match, given the way both teams are playing. Mm, that, that's yeah. one of the ones to avoid, I think. I think a defeat there could... Sorry, on Wednesday at 9.30. That could one. be the final now. We should say that, um, I don't know if you heard this, uh, Thursday games are not taking place. Oh, I didn't know that. For the national strike. 
Oh, good. Yeah, so you can take that into account. Well, that's nice to know, because I've um, already written my previews for those. Ah, well, there you go. You save yourself a job. <laughs> but, anyway. yeah, um, it's still going to be hard for Boca to, um, to fire me, aren't you? It's, you know, it's a political move that... Yes, very very hard to make. The thing is, when you when it all comes down to Bianchi, if he's gonna you know take one for the team, because it's really obvious it has been for the last year that they need new blood there. Yeah, not just in the team. You know, they started at least by you know getting rid of uh, Riquelme and starting that renovation, but they need more. Like the coach, you know, they need fresh ideas. It's a team run, I don't know, from another century basically. Yeah, and the thing is that when you're holding on to your manager purely because it's politically expedient to do so. It's not um, a good situation. It's not no, fantastic, is it? No. Uh, you've got and you've got a goalkeeper who you can see is evidently hated by the rest of the squad, which is all right when he's playing well. But on on Sunday, he had a had a mare. Why, why do you say hated by the rest of the squad? It's dressing room politics. Like what's coming out? <coughs> I've heard this quite a lot. That Orion's abrasive. He doesn't get on with with his teammates. Like is. There's several um, disputes there, which doesn't help when you kind of one of your most senior players is someone that isn't really um, looked up to by the rest of the squad. But that's just one thing, you know. I think that's just one symptom more of this mismanagement in Boca, how personalities have been allowed to to kind of run wild. It started with Raquelme and Palermo, and, it, and it's still carrying on. Which is something that doesn't help. No, indeed, it does not. Um... As okay. we've mentioned already, then four of the big five lost, and it was up to River to rescue some pride for the big clubs. And of course, River did so. Uh, the reigning champions went to Mendoza, where Godoy Cruz have tended to be quite strong. River, of mm. course, were very poor away from home during the Torneo Final, even though they won the championship. Um, and they settled the nerves early on, <laughs> I think it's fair to say. Indeed. They were 2 nil up after 3 minutes. They were 3 nil up after a little over 15 minutes, literally 15 minutes and a couple of seconds. Um, and they ended up running out 4 nil winners. Teo Gutierrez scored twice. We never doubted you, Teo. Carlos Sanchez scored the opener with a magnificent volley oh, at the end beautiful. of a really beautiful yeah. team move as well. Um, Rodrigo Mora uh, got the third goal, uh, getting on the end of a, a free kick flighted into the box. Mm-hmm. Um, Tails second as well, Rivers fourth, was, was also a fine goal. A 2-4, you could say. And a double one too. Yes, yeah. Um, and Rivers' uh, performance overall as well really merited the, the win. God, I Cruz were awful. Yeah, they were uh, shocking. St- but River um, were fantastic. One of the best performances I've seen from a single team probably in the last year. Uh, and the other thing is that it comes on the back of River being really very good against Central the previous weekend as yeah. well. Okay, they they had the the, the penalty shout that, that wasn't given for Central, uh, but the um, the certainly the, the wisdom after that match was very much that River had deserved to win it. Yeah. Uh, quite aside from that, the performance generally had, had been strong. Yeah. Um, I think there's two players putting like, together back to back performances like that. Yeah, I think for me, um, what I've seen from from River. There's kind of been two changes from the Diaz era that have made a big change. Um, and it's two kids from the academy, really. You've got mm. uh, Matias Craneviter. Well, he played in, in the, the middle. Yeah, but uh... here and there. like. And then whenever I've seen him, like Tomas Martinez is he's shaping up to be a, a head of a kid. Yes, he's mainly only played in Copa Argentina, I think, so yeah. far. But he came on and, in fact, uh, Marcelo Gachardo was able to send on a few substitutes, of course, uh, with with River already three 0 up yeah. um, during the second half, 
uh, which allows the kids to, as a lot of people started making the point on Twitter, I think they were repeating what they were reading on Twitter <laughs> as much as anything, but it allows them to, to learn without any yeah, pressure. Exactly. Um, and not to be going in and forced to change matches in the way that certain River Academy um, graduates have in, in recent years uh, until now. So far, so far, it's looking like Marcelo Gachardo's River are moving on in the right direction from Ramon Diaz's River. Um, I think Gachardo deserves some credit as well because at the beginning of the season, in the very first match away to Gymnasia, and indeed in the, in the pre-season friendlies, um, he'd shown a, a preference for... Uh, Leonardo Poncio uh, in that number five role ahead of Matias Kranemiter bringing Poncio back into the team after Ramon Diaz had all but uh, left him out for the Donnell final um, he wanted Gachardo wanted a more kind of vertical a more attacking uh, river a bit less possession based and he seemed to realise right after the first performance away to Gimnasia that he'd been mistaken with that because he brought Kranemiter back in um, for the central match and he kept his place away to Godoy Cruz and in both games was among the very best players on yeah, the pitch definitely. I think it's fair to say yes. um, so that's your lot to run through those scores again we've had what five goals on in two games on <laughs> on Friday um, followed well let's see five six seven eight plus six is fourteen plus four is eighteen nineteen twenty twenty three twenty Five, twenty-eight, thirty-two goals in ten matches. Three again. It's been a long time since I've seen more than three goals a game in in Argentine football. Yeah, and it's been a trend since the beginning of the season now as well, uh, which is is wonderful to see. And long may it continue, as it we said last week. Uh, Vélez top, as we mentioned, with nine points. River are two points behind them with seven, and then a bunch of other teams have got six. There's no point going into it. Including too much Racing, in a week. let's say we're in a yes. crisis, but we're still joint third. <laughs> yeah. Uh, within a week of course we'll have had two more matches so this table could, could change a lot um, in the B what's happened in the B? Argentinos are without Riquelme and they lost yes they That's are a big one indeed um, Argentinos in fact are now I think they've won one and lost two haven't they or won one drawn one and lost one one yeah, one draw one lost one. yeah one 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 so far um, and that's I mean nobody else really cares about the other teams in the B do they? no interestingly it's being I, almost I all the teams cheap, from, the from the interior have yeah. really started well you've got well in Group A we've got San Martín Boca Unidos in Corrientes and uh, Gimnasia Jujuy and then in Group B you've got Atlético Tucumán who started free from free yeah. Sportivo Bolgarano then Temperley are pretty much the only what Temperley and Huracán are the only Gran um, Buenos Aires teams that are competing but yeah. it's although still it's worth mentioning Chicago just one place ahead of Argentinos in, in uh, Group A yeah. but uh, yeah I mean We've had a, only a few matches, obviously, so far. Um, we are going to go away now, and we're going to see... Either, we haven't had any questions when we started recording. We're going to see whether we've had any questions now. So uh, here's some music, and don't go away. Questions. One is from Boca. Indeed, yes. Uh, Boca, the big theme this week. Uh, One is from Scott Monroe, who asks Are Boca better or worse without Juan Roman Riquelme, or are they just awful in general? They've been poor for the last 
two years, let's say. Yeah, that's mistake. Uh, they're capable of the odd decent performance, especially when uh, Riquelme was, was on his game. <laughs> but I guess now they've even lost that chance of of him turning in one of his you know brilliant one game and four. So now, yeah, they. I don't really understand it. Like, I think the big mistake they made was this whole Riquelme thing drank, dragged out for quite a lot of the winter. So it wasn't you never got the feeling there was some sort of contingency for like a new number ten to come in or a new creative player to come in. It was just all you know banking on him uh, staying in the end. And yeah, I think it, it's awful in Boca. Let's just say the thing is that Boca were very poor without him whilst he was still a Boca player. Yes. Uh, so now that he's not a Boca player and they haven't really brought in. No, anyone, or, or not so much just any single player to replace him. But they haven't yeah. brought in a philosophy either that allows them to no. to play. And they've made some horrible decisions in the transfer market as well, uh, letting Paredes go for um, for almost nothing mm. when he could have been a long term, well, not even a long term successor, like a successor to Riquelme. Um In defence, they let uh, Casa Solo go, uh, young under twenties international uh, to Fulham, I believe. Yes, for yeah. pennies as well. It's like in fact, they, they made a loss on Casasola because yeah. they brought him in for seven hundred thousand dollars from Huracan. Uh, Huracan, thank you. They sold him for a million, and then four hundred thousand of that had to go to Huracan. So yeah, they, yeah, horrible bit of. I don't know who's taken. I think, well, I don't think anyone's taken charge really in in the ballroom there. I think that's where you know in Argentine football, where things are going wrong, always look upstairs first. Yes, it's not a bad rule. Yeah, that's true. Um, Bianchi needs to take some of the blame though surely as well no of course yeah. Um, and Liam Delaney asks about Bianchi in the second question which is how is Bianchi surviving the shambles at Boca because even Atletico de Rafaela took the piss out of them well we alluded to this a little bit earlier he's such a historical figure in Boca that the political implications of sacking him are too high to pay for a board that are already unpopular mm. not much more to say that's basically it yeah and uh, do you know any Boca fans who are turning against him I don't uh, socialise with Boca fans <laughs> there we go that's the answer to that one very blunt one um, but yeah it's uh, I, mean, I mean he's taken the decision as well to farm out a lot of the a lot of these players mm. um, so it is really bizarre um, that, that he's then able to you know turn around and say oh well we haven't got the you know we're still a squad in transition mm. he's had the, the squad now for nearly two years yeah it's and if it's, it's in transition squad. it's his fault because yes. there hasn't been an, a massive exodus of players precisely not like the exodus of fans leaving in the Bombonera early yesterday no which was quite entertaining no indeed um, those are the questions Thanks. this is a very short podcast this week uh, so the next music that you hear is Mystic Sam's theme music and I shall come back and I shall tell you what my predictions are uh, for Round four for the midweek round of the Donnell final. There will be no Mystic Sam for round five because I've not written those previews yet and we're not going to be recording between now and round five. But I will tell you what the fixtures are as well for that. Uh, so don't go away. Okay, here we go. Mystic Sam uh, for round four of the Donnell final. As Dan says, uh, Thursday's matches aren't going to be played. I found that out when Dan said it. Uh, when was that announced? This morning I saw it. Right, okay. Because... I feel less bad about not knowing about it. No, it was something along the lines like the union can't guarantee um, that 
play like the games that go ahead. Um, I was I'm not entirely sure about the, the legalities of it, but the upshot was this. Anyway, I'm going to read those predictions out as well because they're they're already written. Plus, uh, it might end up being played anyway. Never know. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, here we go. Belgrano versus Gimnasia La Plata. Uh, I think is going to be a draw. Olimpo de Bahia Blanca versus Independiente. I'm going for a. What am I going for? Uh, I'm going for an Olimpo victory. Uh, Racing against Arsenal. I think is a draw. Atlético de Rafaela versus Newell's Old Boys. I'm going to go for Atlético to win. Sit my neck out slightly, but Newell's have been throwing away points again, and Atlético are going to be high on confidence. Rosario Central versus Godoy Cruz uh, should, I think, be a Central victory. River versus Defensa Justicia uh, looks to me like a River win. I think that's possibly the least controversial prediction of the weekend. Mm. Although it's worth pointing we'll out that Mystic Sam got one out of ten um, this weekend. It's gone. <laughs> Uh, Estudiantes de la Plata versus Boca Juniors is going for a draw because um, I don't think either of them look particularly good so far and then these matches that might or might not be played probably won't be on Thursday if they were then I would go for Banfield to beat Tigre at home uh, Vélez Sarsfield to beat Lanús at home and uh, draw in Quilmes between Quilmes and San Lorenzo de Almagro um, any comments on those two? I think Racing can win. <laughs> In probably the least surprising comment of the whole podcast. Mm-hmm. But no, it's interesting with Racing. I think the one thing they're missing at the moment is uh, we saw it. I'm just going to get into searching for a second because I really wanted to get this off my chest at some point. The biggest mistake I think Cocker has made so far is after the first game, which was a very impressive 3 1 win against Defensa Justicia. He took um, Luciano Oveda out of the team to play Videla and Acevedo in the middle. It's kind of a very strong uh, double-five partnership, you know, the two defensive midfielders. But it gives you very little creation. So if Coca can kind of rectify his, his decision and put Oveda back in there, and I think mm, Racing could, could get out of this one-game slump, which everyone says they're in. So I'm, yes, I'm yeah. going to go for a Racing win because I'm going to the game and I want to see a Racing win. It's going to be interesting though because Racing have had obviously started off away to a newly promoted uh, side in defence. It was Dizia who looked very, rather disorganised at the back although Racing did play well in that opening weekend. And then the second win that Racing had was against, as we mentioned, a San Lorenzo side mm. who looked like they were still celebrating mm. from a few nights before. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Racing once the season actually gets started. But of course on paper and, and in terms of the winter transfers they, they were one of the stronger sides um, but then they're always one of the stronger sides on paper <laughs> and they always end up being rassing once the season begins this is true uh, at the weekend when we have round five uh, the fixture the exact dates I don't think have been announced yet or at least I've not got them on this app that's in front of me um, but the fixtures are going to be Boca Juniors versus Vélez Sarsfield Newell's Old Boys versus Estudiantes Belgrano de Córdoba versus Rafaela uh, Atletico de Rafaela Defensa Justicia at home to Rosario Central Gimnasia La Plata against Godoy Cruz San Lorenzo versus River mm. Big Clásico um, Tigre versus Quilmes Arsenal versus Banfield Independiente versus Racing The Clásico de Avellaneda The really big Clásico mm. um, Which I've just realised we haven't uh, previewed <laughs> And Lanús versus Olimpo um, Very brief preview then Since we have a Racing fan with us Independiente Nervous still Obviously, 
always, always uh, a clásico away to Independiente has not really been the happiest of places for Racing in the last 10 years or so. It's all going to depend on the midweek games. Mm. It's very hard to say how how they're going to go in. If you take it on just this weekend, two four nil uh, defeats, it's not the best um, not the best preparation for either team. But it's all going to depend on midweek if they can get through it. If you know, obviously for suspensions, injuries as well, it's it's something you have to watch out for. At the moment, you'd say Racing. Uh, a little bit more solid, um, probably the better team from the evidence of the first three three fixtures. But I'm not going to be taking anything for solid. granted. Independiente won their opening match and they've looked really quite poor in the in the yes. uh, subsequent two. Uh, well, they looked awful against Vélez, but they didn't look fantastic either in the, in the previous in the round second mm. round match against. Can't remember who. Estudiantes. That's right. Yeah, away to Estudiantes. Um, so yeah, it's perhaps not the uh, the, the juiciest Abeshane the Classico ever played in terms of the expectations. Um, mm-hmm. I think Racing would be clear favourites if it was taking place in Racing Stadium. Yes. Uh, the fact that it's it's away perhaps adds a little bit of, of, of nerves. Yeah, we don't travel well. Uh, you know, the massive distance we have to cover to get to, to Independiente yes. Stadium it always takes a toll on the team. Such, such a long trip uh, to make. Um, on that note, we will leave you for now, dear listeners. Um, join us again next week. This is the only midweek round, I think, of the Donnell final. It was yeah. scheduled originally as the only midweek round anyway. Um, having they put might... everything back by a week, they might have to cram another one yeah, in at some point. Yeah, I was going to say. But we're not sure about that just yet. Because uh, they might just put the end of the season back by a week as well. Mm-hmm. well that would be getting very hot if they do that, so we'll see. Um, but for now... Thank you for listening to this very short, indeed, Hand of Pod podcast. This is what happens when there are two of us and only a few days to talk about. And no alcohol. And no alcohol as well. <laughs> um, and we hope that you've enjoyed it. Uh, join us again next week for a probably much longer and, and more rambling and more normal Hand of Pod uh, discussing two rounds of fixtures, or one round and two-thirds of fixtures, uh, as it may be. Um, it is, for now, goodbye from English Dam. Goodbye and thank you for listening. And thank you for for joining us again for this special edition. You're welcome, sir. Um, And goodbye from me. Goodbye. (laughs) 